Well, are you ready for the word this morning? Hallelujah. The title of this morning's message is How to Forgive Without Being Hurt. Everyone say freedom. We preached a series not too many weeks ago on freedom. And I think I said something along these lines. And if I did, I'm going to repeat it. And if I didn't, you're going to hear it for the first time. But freedom is God's end game. Right? You've heard you... You okay there, princess? Shut off your piano. I didn't know if you were trying to go into song. The, um, where was I? It was a deep revelation. Freedom is God's end game. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. We have to understand and appreciate so that we're not focused on the wrong things. Heaven is not God's end game. Don't live your life with the sole objective of making it to heaven. But live your life in such a way that you do the work of the kingdom here on the earth. That you become Christ-like on this side of the realm. That in this life you become like Christ. And it is necessary to be free in order to be like Christ because Christ was a free man. Christ wasn't bound by anything. Christ wasn't bound financially. No matter what you hear religious preachers say, Jesus did not know financial lack. Don't let Hollywood set your theology. Don't let religion tell you what Christ was like because religion always paints a false portrait of God. They paint the portrait of God the Father as angry. And He's not. They paint the portrait of God the Son as if you need a, another intermediary named Mary. They paint the portrait of the Son as if He was malnourished, impoverished, and weak. And He was not. Always let the Scripture paint the portrait of who God is. Jesus wasn't bound by anything. Jesus never had a sick day. Jesus never had a depressed day. Jesus never had a day of unbelief. Now, He was tempted in all ways like we are. But Jesus never surrendered His freedom in God for the security of humanity. Even when they all left Him, Jesus didn't go running after Him and say, No, don't leave. I need you. Amen. No, He looked and He said, All right, Peter, yo, bro, you going too? Right? Jesus was free. And in order for you and I to be Christ-like, we must be free. In what realm? Every realm. We must be free emotionally, and that's what forgiveness has to do with. And we'll get there in just a second. But you and I need to understand that everything God does, every instruction, every commandment, is to make us free. When God asks you to do something, He's asking you to do it because it is a pathway to freedom. When He asks you to face the lion or face the bear, it's so that you can conquer Goliath and be free of all of your enemies. And like David, no peace on every bound. You following me this morning? So everything God does, He's always preparing us for that which He has prepared for us, and that is to be free. Now, I want to say this. I'm chasing a lot of rabbits this morning. But listen, most saints live confined lives, not because of what they do, but by what? because of what they refuse to do. 
instance. We talked about it just a second ago about giving. It's God's will that we be free financially. Now understand when I say financial freedom, I'm not talking about wealth because there's a great many people that are wealthy and not financially free. Because they're living with either a love of money or the fear of money. Right? They're either in love of it or they're afraid of not having enough. So they gather, 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 gather. You're, you're, the, the number of zeros behind your one doesn't prove financial freedom. Financial freedom is proven when you, as a steward of the king, use every resource you have for the advancement of the kingdom. Meaning when God says, I want you to give a certain proportion, whatever you call it. I'm, I'm not in love with words like that. There are some people, Pastor, if you don't tithe, you're going to hell. Au contraire. Your tithe didn't save you. Your tithe can't save you. Your tithe does not redeem you from the curse of the law. Now, if you don't tithe, it shows you're not developed because you're operating in fear. I truly do. Is this okay this morning? I told you I'm chasing rabbits. Tithing is not the, 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 the totality of New Testament stewardship. I believe it's where we ought to begin. Tithing was for un, people who were not born again and didn't have the nature of God. Y'all understand that, right? And tithing wasn't a simple 10%. I mean, if we really want to tithe, then maybe it's a complicated program. But if we're unwilling to steward what we have, then we'll always be financially bound. No matter how much you gather. God has a pathway to financial freedom where we take control of money and money no longer controls us. So it doesn't matter whether we got $1 or $1 million, we're still using it for God's kingdom. God has other pathways. How many of you know without faith it's impossible to please Him? Without faith, we can't access any of the promises of grace. So faith isn't optional. Faith is mandatory. Obedience is mandatory. Mercy is mandatory. Forgiveness is not optional. If you and I want to be free. Is this okay? Now, a lot of in, in the church... We are famous... For grudges. All you got to look at is how many denominations there are. How many churches do not cooperate one with another. How many pastors you can have in one city who do not know each other because they will not talk to each other. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says we ought to be known for the love we have for one another. But the truth of the matter is we are known for the way we despise one another. And that's because of a simple offense that happened a hundred years ago that we still won't forgive each other for. Forgiveness is not optional, not for the Christ follower. I want to get started by, listen, I want to read out of Mark 11. Now I know for you, for you faith people, you're going to instantly go to verse 23 and 24. But I want to go to verse 24, 25, and 26. So Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, and I'm going to read it to you out of three different translations. The Passion Translation, the New Living Translation, and then just a snippet out of the New American Standard. Is this okay? Everyone say, I want to be free. Well, God's going to help you get free. You can't go through life and not be trespassed against. 
you cannot go through life and somebody not sin against you. You listen, I, I, I've lived long enough. I know I look really good and really young, but I'm old enough now to know life's a full contact sport. Even in church, it's full contact, baby. And you're going to have lots of opportunity to practice forgiveness. I told you this last week. Listen. Forgiveness is a pathway to freedom. The enemy's greatest fear is a free saint. He really don't care if you die and go to heaven. In fact, there are some of you he wishes you would hurry up. Because when you get to heaven, you no longer can cause any damage to his kingdom. This is why we got to learn to live not focused only on heaven, but doing the work of the kingdom here. So what the enemy wants is he wants you to be imprisoned by tradition, religion, offenses, pain, bitterness. He really doesn't care what it is that shuts you down just as long as something locks you up. But he's got a problem. And here's the problem. God won't shut you down and lock you up. He can't shut you down and lock you up. The only one that can shut you down and lock you up is the person you see in the mirror each and every morning. So what the enemy does is he causes someone somewhere to trespass against you because he knows unforgiveness is the root of bitterness. And as long as you care, you and I carry unforgiveness in our heart, we can never be as free as Christ died that we would be. So what you went through, you went through not because the devil wanted some momentary pain. No, he wanted lifelong imprisonment. And when we nurse the pain over and over and over, you know, there are some people, they're still reliving now what happened 25 years ago. Some of us talk about what happened to our mama. It didn't even happen to you. But the enemy, man, I tell you what, he's persistent. And if the first attack don't get you, he'll make sure there's attack two, attack three, attack four, and attack five. Because what he doesn't want is you to be free. I'm going to say it again. He ain't all concerned about you going to heaven. I mean, he has a preference. But he ain't concerned about you going to heaven. What he doesn't want you to do is be so free that you become like Jesus on this planet. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. Passion translation. And whenever you stand praying, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, release him. Selah. If when you stand praying, you find that you have something in your heart against another person. Release him and forgive him so that your father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. Verse 26, but if you will not release forgiveness. Don't expect your father in heaven to release you from your misdeeds. Now, listen, I've got friends that will trip over themselves to explain how Jesus didn't mean what he said. I'm not going to try to explain away what the master said. 
There are some verses and passages in the Bible that I struggled with for over a decade because I could not understand how that could be true, and yet my understanding of God's grace and God's love and God's mercy be true. But, you know, I've discovered something about the Holy Spirit. He's an amazing teacher. And if we'll keep going back and reading and saying, Lord, you're my teacher, I'm your student, teach me. I remember there was one passage, it was over 10 years I struggled with it. Then one day I read it and I was like, dog, I get it. I get it. It does not challenge God's character and yet it remains true. So I'm not going to try to explain away this. I'm just going to let it hang there and tell you, let the Holy Spirit be your teacher. Let's read the same verse out of the New Living. Because in the New Living, it combined verse 25 and 26. When you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Now let me read a snippet of verse 25 out of the New American Standard. If you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against any one listen when God instructs you to forgive listen to this he's not asking you to remember rehash and renew old wounds forgiveness is not about making you miserable it's about setting you free forgiveness is a means of freedom from pain bitterness and suffering in other words i'm going to say it this way forgiveness forgiveness ain't easy but neither is faith if the faith you're walking in seems easy you're in the shallow end of the pool bro because the bible talks about a fight of faith And that word fight comes from the Greek agon, which literally means there's an agonizing aspect of faith because what you believe you ain't seeing, but you got to keep believing it because you'll never see it if you stop believing it. So you got to keep believing it even when you don't see it. And when it feels like everything's contrary, you keep walking by faith and not by sight. And that ain't always easy. There are moments when you will have to struggle with yourself when faith seems weak and victory seems lost. And you got to keep telling yourself, I believe in an invisible God who does the incredible for the unlikely. So when we really are walking by faith, it's a struggle. I remember years ago, and a buddy of mine, when we were on the mission field, he said, he said, Jimmy, you ought to start a Bible school. I said, that's a great idea. What would we name it? And he started coming up with all these names. I said, I know what we'll call it. God, you said what? <laughs> yeah, that, that's because that's, that's a great way of our response to faith. Because when God says something to you, we're going to say, you said what? You want me to go where? You want me to love who? You got to be out of your mind. Faith will always require you to... Huh? Because it ain't easy. Well, neither is forgiveness because the the, the greater the pain, the harder the forgiveness. 
But the greater the pain, the harder the forgiveness, the greater the freedom on the other side. Remember I told, is this okay? I, I said this to you, total freedom will only ever be really found by those who have learned to forgive totally. It's possible, it's possible for you and I to be totally free, but we've got to learn to let go of that. And we all know what that is. Hmm. Understand God's purpose then is not to rehash it. It's to deliver you from it. Forgiveness frees you. It's not a means to hurt you. And I wrote this, and I still think it's powerful. This is good right here. Listen to this. Forgiveness is an antidote to bitterness, not a stimulant. I, that is good. I, I wrote it, and I sat back and said, now that's good. Forgiveness is an antidote, not a stimulant. But just like when, you, when you've hurt yourself and you've got to put on uh, alcohol or peroxide, you might, the, the, the sting might intensify for a moment, but it's a means to an end. Yes, and yet some avoid forgiveness because they don't want to revisit that past event. Suppressing something, and hear me when I say this, suppressing something is not nearly the same as being delivered from it. God doesn't want you to suppress it. Because whatever you suppress will eventually revisit you. Like an old friend you thought forgot your address. You suppress something, it will live on influencing every decision, every action. You'll, you'll prejudge other people based upon what someone who's not even related to or connected to the person you're judging, what they did. Now, everyone that looks like them, walks like them, talks like them, comes from the same region as them, you're going to judge them based upon what they did because you're suppressed it, you haven't been delivered from it. Are y'all following me? If you can't look at someone new without remembering someone old, you ain't been delivered. You've suppressed and God doesn't want you to suppress, because listen, is this okay this morning? Listen, something I, God does not get, we don't get to just graduate without passing tests. There might be some teachers who pass people along because they got great athletic ability or they're just tired of dealing with them. That ain't God. God's going to keep you in the first grade till you deserve to go to the second grade. Then when you're in the second grade, you're going to have to pass the test to get to the third grade. There are some things we got to do if we want to be Christ-like. There are some things we can't avoid. We got to hit them head on and say, God, if you said it, I'm going to do it. It doesn't care how much it hurts in the immediacy. I know you're not trying to get me to rehash old things. You're trying to free me from them. Because you can't go on and achieve your kingdom objective with some old thing constantly influencing everything you do. You can't love because you were betrayed. You can't trust because you were abused. You can't give because you were taken advantage of. So now the future doesn't control you. The past does. Is it any wonder why the Apostle Paul said, in order to go on to greater things, you've got to forget? Now, that word forget is important. 
Because a lot of people think to, to forgive is to forget, and that ain't necessarily true. And then they're confused when why they haven't, they can still recall what was done. That word, when Paul said forget the past, it doesn't mean have no memory of it. It means put little value on. So I can still recall what was said, what was done. I can still remember when the man spit in my face, but I put such little value on it that it doesn't make, it has no determination factor on what I do in the future. Just because I encountered an idiot back then doesn't mean everyone I meet in the future is an idiot. And just because I encountered a wolf back then doesn't mean everybody I meet is out to eat me. Hmm. Listen to this. Not everyone we must forgive is an enemy. This is strong, true as well. Because there are some people that hurt you and they didn't even realize they hurt you. And there are some people that hurt you, trespassed against you without intention. Not everyone we must forgive is an enemy. I've, I've, I've had to, I've counseled with people, listen to this, I've counseled with people who had to forgive a loved one who had the audacity to die on them. And they hold a sense of bitterness that their loved one died. The loved one didn't die to offend you. Right? But the sense of abandonment is just as real. So, we have to forgive them for leaving yeah. early. That doesn't mean they're our enemy. It means I've got to be able to forgive. Uh -huh. You see, uh -huh. we, we feel like the only ones we have to forgive are the people that came at us with a butcher knife. No, sometimes you've got to forgive the brother who kissed you on a cheek. Because total freedom is wrapped up. Is this Okay bound up and tied up in total forgiveness now i'm gonna i'm gonna cover if, if i can quit chasing rabbits i'm gonna get to it in just a second to tell you what forgiveness is not so you can know what it is and one of the things that we got to understand everyone say i'm listening forgiveness is not emotional it's spiritual now it might evoke emotions but it's not emotional which means there's not a 25-step process to forgiving Forget about what they say who got a lot of education in the head and empty spirits because they ain't never been born again. Forgiveness is spiritual. It's not mental. It's not educational. So I don't got to go through a process to forgive you. It's a decision. How many of you ever been born again? Did you go through the 25-step pro process? Did you learn all of the creeds and the deeds and become doctrinally perfect? No, no, no. You made a decision. And in the twinkling of an eye, because it's a spiritual thing, you were born again. Now, the process of salvation that comes afterwards, something different. But the born again experience is a decision. Forgiveness is the same thing. Now, is this okay? I'm chasing a lot more rabbits than I thought would be in an empty place. Just like we walk out our salvation after we've been saved. And there are times we got to remind ourselves, no, I don't talk that way now because I'm saved. I don't respond that way now because I'm saved. 
your salvation was not a process. The walking out of it afterward is. And so what you do when you're walking out your salvation and you remember back in the old days, I would have knocked you out for what you just did. But I'm born again now. So I ain't. Charles Greenaway, you may have never heard of him. He's long since in heaven, but he grew up in Chicago back in the 20s, and he was a great missionary, one of the great missionary to the nation of, or to the continent of Africa. And he shared a story that back when he grew up in the 20s and the 30s, everybody fought everybody. The Italians fought the Irish, and the Irish fought the, 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 the Latinos, and the Latinos fought the black, and the black. Everyone was fighting somebody. They all had their gangs, right? And he was an Irishman. And he and his brothers, they were big. They were abnormally big. And they were bad because their daddy beat them every day of their lives. This is what Charles said. So fighting was something you did every day. And the Greenaway brothers never lost because they were bigger than everyone else. And he said he went to a tent meeting. He gave his life to Jesus. And the next day in school, somebody made a derogatory. They, they said something bad to him. And before he realized what he did, he turned around and knocked him out. And then he realized, I can't do that anymore because I'm born again. So he bent down, picked the guy up, and said, I'm sorry, I can't hit you anymore because I'm a Christian. <laughs> you got to work it out, but he got saved in an instant. So this is this, mm, how, how this has to do with forgiveness. We forgive in a moment of time. We make a decision. It's a spiritual act. Now, six months later, when I see you, I'm going to have to remind myself, I forgave you. Because those emotions are going to try to come up again. And i got to remind myself, forgiveness ain't an emotional thing. It's not a mental thing. I still remember what you said. I still remember what you did. But I made a decision in Jesus' name back here to forgive you so you are forgiven. So remember, forgiveness is spiritual. And it's done just like that. Because we choose to. Go back to Mark eleven twenty five 25 out of the New American Standard. Just this snippet. Boy, I'm going to have to hurry up, y'all. I got eight pages of notes and I'm on one. And we only have 30 more days in this facility. If you have anything against anyone, if you have anything against anyone, Okay, Pastor, let's keep it real. That's okay, I like real. That's why we call it Real Life Church. What can I do for you? This anything. What does anything actually mean? Well, tis, tis. Because in the Greek, it's actually the word tis. Tis implies person object or thing tis now in order for the english translators to convey what the master was saying they had to put the word any in front of it and this is where it gets interesting because any is defined as an indeterminate number <laughs> help me jesus how many times must i forgive my brother any it could be one, it could be one million. It could be major, could be minor, could be massive. 
It could happen one time. It could happen a thousand times. Everyone say any. An indeterminate number. No matter what shape, size it takes, anything, whether it was done to you one time or it was done to you one million times, anything, okay, I get that, Pastor, but what about the word anyone? Well, I'll say it to you again, tis, tis, because it's the exact same word. And they did the exact same thing to it. They put the word any in front of it. They made a compound word, any one. What's this mean? It means it could be one person. It could be a whole group of people. It could be an entire denomination. It could be an entire church. It could be an entire section within the church. It could have been done to you one time. It could have been done to you by a whole group of them. They could have assaulted you as a mob. One or one million. Big, small. Friend, family, or foe, it doesn't matter. Anything, everyone say, I want to be free. Anything against any one. Can you imagine how much healthier our nation would be if we would practice this one thing called forgiveness? Just this one thing. Once again, if we would forgive each other as church folks, we wouldn't have a million different denominations. We'd have one church doing one thing for one king. But if you don't sing the songs I like, I'm going to start my own church that sings the songs I like because I ain't going to forgive you for singing those songs. I, uh, listen, to you, you, it's easy to meddle in this. I've known kingdom relationships to be dissolved, not because of theological differences. Not because of spiritual differences, but because of political differences. Kingdom relationships dissolved. Because you're pro-Obama and I'm pro-Trump. I, I, I'm not fabricating. I've known kingdom, I've known churches that split because of political. Isn't it a sad thing that we can't forgive one another just because we have a difference of opinion? I mean, I ain't never even hurt you, but if you find out I have a political view, you're going to disown me? And I've never hurt you? Once again, the church is famous, not for love. The church is famous for grudges and for splits. When we first started RLC, one of the first questions someone asked me who came to visit is, what church did we split off of? Because it's just assumed. If you're new, you must have split off someone, so who didn't you like? What did they do? Well, they preached a sermon I didn't like. Everyone say forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness is a means, a vehicle to Christ's likeness. Because we started this whole series painting a portrait of a man hanging on a cross who had been defiled and betrayed in every conceivable way. You think you've been hurt, bro? You ain't been hurt compared to that. He was tortured. He never did anything wrong. His greatest crime was loving. Samaritans, tax collectors, prostitutes. And for that, they hung him because he had the audacity to say, God's my father. And yet when he hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. Forgive who? Forgive the ones who put me here. 
Forgive the ones who did it. You know the ones who beat this thing on my head? Forgive them. You know the ones who lacerated me when I was strapped to that pole? Forgive them. You know the ones who pushed me down the road carrying this thing? Forgive them. The ones who sit there and mock me? Forgive them. I'm telling you, Christianity properly lived is not for the weak of heart. We've turned church into a game, but it ain't a game. It's a lifestyle. And its intent is to change the world, to reach the lost. And in order to do that, we got to be like Jesus. Because we're not going to win the world just with sparkly personalities and celebrity status. If we're going to change this world, we got to be like Jesus. Is this okay? Listen to this. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. Forgiveness is not about closing our eyes to those who will certainly continue to hurt us or others. Remember I told you the story about the woman whose house was ransacked and her pastor said, if you forgive them, bring them back in. Not so. And this is what I hope to get to in our last few moments. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. I must forgive you, but nowhere in the Bible does it say I have to trust you. In fact, the Bible says even Jesus didn't trust everyone. He loved everyone, but there were certain people he wouldn't give himself to. If that man keeps beating you, verbally assaulting you forgiveness doesn't mean you show up and say hey beat me again i once had a man confess to me that he was a pedophile in church and had assaulted children in children's church i was obligated to forgive him but did that mean i closed my eyes to what he did no i called the authorities but pastor you have to forgive him I do. I forgave him. But what he did was a crime against others. You following me? Hmm. Both forgiveness and trust are crucial in healthy relationships, but the two are often confused. And it's this very confusion, the inability to discern, to discern between forgiveness and trust that keeps people locked down. You've got to forgive everyone. But can I say this politely? You're a fool if you trust everyone. Because forgiveness, that comes from my heart, but trust, you've got to earn. Even the Bible teaches that. Boy, it's quiet in here. God wants us to be forgiving people. But God also wants us to be wise in our relationship decisions. And we can do both. So in our last few moments, I want to cover ten things, and I won't camp out on any one of these. At least I don't don't think I will. What is forgiveness? I want to explain that by saying what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not, number one, forgiveness is not approval of what they did. It's not an approval. God forgives sin, but not one time in the Bible does he ever approve of it. You all following me? 
So my offering you forgiveness is not a stamp of approval. Number two, forgiveness is not excusing what they did. We do not cover up for the sins of people. We do not point to circumstances in an attempt to explain away their behavior. Your baby just murdered three people. And you hear mamas on TV say it all the time. Well, he's just he's good in his heart. No, he ain't. Out of the abundance of the heart. If someone is a thief constantly stealing, lying, scheming, mugging, then mama, I know you love them, but they ain't good. They can repent and become good. But one of the things we do is we excuse. And some of us even take the blame. Ah, come on now. I know I'm hitting close to home. Well, he beat me because he had a bad day. No, he beat you because he's a beast. Hello? Well, Pastor, you got to understand, I burned the spaghetti. And that's a reason for him to knock you out. No. And see, listen, I'm dealing with real-life relationships. I remember one time I was preaching on the friend of God, the intrinsic value we have by our relationship with God. And I didn't even know there was a young lady and she only wrote me a very long letter months later. There was a young lady in there that was involved in a physically abusive relationship. She wasn't married, but she was living. She loved the Lord, but she was living with a man who would beat her nearly daily. And she felt like she deserved the beating because this beast had convinced her it was her fault and that if she would only do certain things, he wouldn't beat her. And she had no value, so she continually submitted to the beatings. And when she heard that she was a friend of God, the next time he raised his hand, she bowed her chest. And she told him, you'll never hit me another day in my life because I'm a friend of God. She understood she had value. See, as long as we keep excusing what they're doing, we'll keep submitting to what's being done. And we're not free because we keep going back into the den. Man, if every time you go into your neighbor's backyard, the dog bites you, don't go into the yard no more. All right, I'm trying to hurry up, y'all. Number three, forgiveness is not justifying what they did. To justify, listen to this, to justify means to make right or just. The dictionary says it means to show a person to be right or just a reasonable or to be right just as reasonable. There is no way that evil can be justified. God will never call something that is evil right, and he does not require us to do so. So to forgive does not mean you justify what they did. Number four. Forgiveness is not pardoning what they did. This is where it gets really a pardon is a legal transaction that releases an offender from the consequences of the reaction. Such as a penalty or a sentence. See, this is sometimes we'll withhold forgiveness. Is this okay this morning? We'll withhold forgiveness because the pain was so great. We feel like they've got to be punished. 
And we feel like if we forgive them, we're pardoning them and they'll never get their just desserts. How many of you remember the story of Jonah? Yeah. Jonah was a prophet called to go to a city called Nineveh. Problem is, Jonah hated the Ninevites. Hated them. And so he tried to go another way. Y'all remember the story? Remember the big fish? And God finally got him to Nineveh, and Jonah preached so successfully, he despised his own ministry because they all repented. And the Bible says this greatly displeased Jonah. <laughs> he had such a great revival, he got angry because they all repented. And so he went up on a hill, and he heard cries of praise, and what he wanted here was cries of agony. I think what he wanted was a, another Sodom and Gomorrah. Lord, wipe them out. And instead, he heard them repenting. And of course, you know the story. God caused that gourd to grow over him and shade him, and then it withered. And Jonah got so upset, he wanted to die. And God said, are you, are you, are you just to be angry? He's like, yeah, I'm angry enough to die. And God had to teach him. In order for you and I to forgive, we've got to understand God's justice. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And God is just in all of his ways, and he will deal with it. What we've got to do is let it go, let them go, let God be God. Right? Is this okay? I, I'm trying to hurry up. I'm trying to give you some things because this is an opportunity to freedom. Number five, it's not necessarily reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not always the same. Reconciliation requires the participation of two people. It means both have to repent. What do you do if you can't find the person? What do you do if the person's dead? What do you do if they don't want to have anything to do with you? Do we hold on to the grudge for the rest of our lives? I told you the story of a very famous preacher who had to go write letters and put them on graves. What do you do if you forgive them and they don't even bother to say thank you? What if they never asked for forgiveness? It's not about reconciliation. I can forgive you. That doesn't mean I want to take you on vacation with me. But what I do want is to be free from your toxicity. I want to be free from your poison. I want to be free from your pain. And whether you ever repent or not, that's between you and God. But I, baby, got to be free from you. I can't go through life carrying on, holding on to that thing you did to me when I was 10 years old. And 11 and 12 and 13. Whom the Son sets free has got to be free indeed. And so when God brings up to your mind and my mind people that we got to forgive, forgive them because it ain't about them. Not too long ago, my wife and I were sitting in a conference and I saw someone I haven't seen in over a decade. And they were sitting in the very chair I had sat in the night before. And I only saw the back of the head, but Cleve, I knew instantly who it was. I hadn't even seen their profile. And I said, I know who that is. And instantly these feelings came up. Because when we first started RLC, this was a person I, we thought was a friend and turned out to be a manipulator. And their spouse got so angry with me because I wouldn't give in to their manipulations. 
that one day I was in, is this okay? I'm trying to hurry. One day I was in my office, not in this place, in another place. And, and the Lord told me, so-and-so is on their way. And when he gets here, this is what he's going to do. And he's going to spit in your face. But when he does it, do not react because this, this is what I heard the Lord say. This is not the first time he's ever done it and it won't be the last. You're just one of many. So this person came into my office, got right into my face and started screaming at me so much my face grew wet with spit. And I just stood there. And when he was all done, I made him even madder by saying, is that all? And when I saw this person, I hadn't thought of them a handful of times in 10 years. I realized I've never forgiven this person. And so I thought, do I got to get up and go to them? And I felt no, because they have no desire to see me. So I just sat there in my chair and I said, Father, I forgive. I don't want this anymore. If this is hindering me from going to the next level, then I apologize that I've held on to this thing for so long. So, Father, I just release and I let go and I choose never to think about this again. And if I ever do think of them, I'm going to pray for your blessings upon them. And I spent the rest of the conference, every time I looked over, saying, God, bless them. Increase them. Cause your will to be done in their life. And eventually I meant it sincerely. You understand what I'm saying? So there are, there are oh, listen, when we start down this path of freedom, the devil's going to make sure you run into them at Publix. You're going to both go for the same Oreo box. And you're going to remember this is the last, <laughs> bozo, you ate the last Oreo the last time we were together. You ain't getting this box. And so right there in Publix, you're going to have the opportunity to say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But whether they ever receive your forgiveness or not, you'll walk away a free person. And you'll go from level to level. Is this okay? It's not reconciliation. Number six, it's not denying what they did. Years ago, I preached a message. You can't, God can't heal what you conceal. The principle of this is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Replace that word with anxiety. And how about cast all your pain? Cast all your bitterness. Cast all of your unforgiveness. Let him take care of it. God always calls us out of hiding in order to heal us. Number seven, it's not a blindness to what happened. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, that love keeps no record of wrongs done. But that doesn't mean love forgets it. See, that, that's, that's a miss. It literally means, this is what Paul is saying, love does not store a record, a ledger of every wrong done, and the next time something's done, it pulls out the ledger book and says, see, you did this 90 times before. Love never says, I'll never forget what you just did to me, and stores it in its memory bank. What Paul says is that we are to operate. Is this okay? I'm trying to hurry through this. You know, when we talk about God cast our, sea, our sins in the sea of forgetfulness, it doesn't mean God has no memory of what you did. It means he chooses by the nature of his mercy and love to overlook it. He knows everything you and I ever did, but he chooses to see us as perfected people through Christ. That's even greater. 
And what he's saying is, I want you to be like me, that even though you remember the sting of what was done, you choose to dig deep into mercy that I planted in your heart and draw from the well of love. And you choose to overlook the wrongs that were done and remember that my grace is sufficient for you even in this situation. So just because you can remember it doesn't mean you haven't forgiven it. I told you this last week. You know forgiveness has started when you can see them and truly wish God's best upon them. Hmm. Number eight, it's not forgetting. Number nine, it's not a refusal to take the wrong seriously. I like in the Old Testament, the book of Joseph when he finally saw his brothers and he said, what you did, you did for evil intent. But God. What they did was serious. Forgiveness is not a refusal to take it seriously. It's to rely on a high, higher power. Okay. Number 10. <clears throat> it's not pretending that we are not or were not hurt. Forgiveness is not pretending we do not need to pretend that we are not hurt. We don't need to over-dramatize it, but we don't need to pretend either. Forgiveness, and i got one verse to read. I'm not done yet. I'm only on page four, but I'm going to let you go. Forgiveness is letting go of anger. Forgiveness is letting go of bitterness. And forgiveness is letting go of the desire for revenge. Wouldn't it be nice when you lay down at night and put your head on your pillow? You don't find the last memories of your day thinking about what you wish you had done to them. But you find the last moment, your last thoughts of your day are on the goodness of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. And I'll close with this. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. And if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Proverbs chapter 25. Win him over with kindness. And your, surpri your surpri surprising generosity will awaken his conscience and God will re reward you with favor. Verse 21, never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. See, if we are obsessed with revenge... We're not releasing justice into God's hands. And in essence, what we're doing is letting evil defeat us. Because I'm going to take you back. I'm going to big, wide circle, take you right back to where I began. God will never lock you down, shut you up. He'll never confine you or imprison you. He paid too high a price for your freedom. The devil can't because you're outside of his reach. As children of the living God, you are outside of his power. 
He and God are not on equal terms. Get that straight. The devil's ability to deceive you is not nearly as great as God's ability to guide you. The enemy's ability to curse you is nowhere near as great as God's ability to bless you. They are not equal. He knows he can't touch you unless he can get you to hold on to that offense and plot your own revenge. Now evil has defeated you because it shut you down. So God's remedy is this. Be good, even to those who aren't good to you. Be kind, even to those who aren't kind to you. Love, even those who don't love you. Forgive, even those who don't ask for forgiveness. And in this way, you be like your Father. And when you become like your Father in all things, you'll be victorious in all things, because your Father is always victorious. Never has your father ever known defeat. Never has your father ever failed. Always does your father forgive. Always does your father overlook. So be ye like your father, and like your father you'll be victorious in all of your ways. You can never achieve a spiritual life through natural means. And if the fight you were in was natural, then you could win it with natural weapons. But at that moment, in that day, when you realize the battle you're in is spiritual, then in that moment you'll realize the futility of fighting the spirit with natural weapons. This is why the Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So you have been supernaturally equipped to live a supernatural life. So thus says the Spirit of grace, why do you continue in your attempts to live supernaturally through natural means? Why do you believe you can achieve it through mental or physical powers when it's not by might? It is, as it has always been, by my spirit. So to gain victory, step into the spirit. To gain victory, step into the spirit. To gain victory, step into the spirit. And in the spirit, you will find the ability to love and to forgive and to let go. Thus says the Spirit of grace. Hallelujah, Father. So stand to your feet.